Howdy, 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 do who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 279. Yeehaw! One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, 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 do who fans? Welcome back to the Big Blue Box Podcast. Hope you've all had a cracking week. And that you've all managed to do something Something Doctor Who related. related. (laughs) Sorry, I've gone a bit Roboman there. Bit Robo. Mm. Yeah. I quite like that, dude. I like the yeehaw and then the... Yeehaw! Been on the source this morning, it feels like. I've been on the cowpole. Oh, the (laughs) (laughs) No Bloody Marys this morning. (laughs) Oh, no. Jesus. Oh, no. I don't like tomato juice. Put a raw egg in there as well. Tomato. Oh, no, stop it. You're making me feel ill. You'll be sorted, mate. (laughs) No, I'd rather have a pint of lager. A pint. (laughs) Ah. Do you know what? The uh, the weather's turned in the UK. So, Oh, that's it. Yeah, a few weeks ago, you'd have heard Adam and I say how lovely and warm and sunny and sunbathed weather it was. Yeah. And that made you want to reach for a pint relatively yeah. early in the afternoon, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't normally need an excuse, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <you> did. <laughs> yeah, about that sort of three o'clock time when the sort of work day, for me anyway, sort of uh, winding down a bit. I've got my meetings out of the way. I'm just doing some some work and... It's cool just to nip out in the garden, have a beer. It's all good. But this weather, it's like, no, cup of tea, hot chocolate, maybe, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's funny you say that. I was out on the way home from work last night. The, the one thing I was really craving was a cup of tea. And uh, it hadn't really dawned on me how quickly that had changed. Because you're <laughs> right, about two weeks ago, it had been, oh, I can't wait to get over and have a beer in the garden. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh, a cup of tea. Exactly, oh, mate. Yeah. That's a cup of tea and a slash cake. Yeah, a bit of Wurzel action. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Yes. So, welcome to 
episode 279. It's great to have you all back as always for another week. Coming up in today's show, we have no news. The last bit of news we spoke about was the interactive show that we reported on and all that jazz. So uh, if anyone's booked their tickets, if you're looking forward to that, let us know because it does sound kind of cool. But we have got some merch to talk about. We've got some decent merch actually to talk Mm, through this week. It's been a long time since we've had some, some good merch. Uh, to talk through, we'll get on to that. And then we're on to our review of Cold War, the 11th Doctor story. Mm. We're out of the classic Who season of Key to Time. We had a few people get in touch, actually, to say, uh, saying stuff like, you must be so glad that you've finished that, <laughs> that review of the Key to Time and stuff. Um, I know our, our, our friend Liv and uh, Sarah Louise, the running Whovian she was like, congrats to you guys for getting through all that. I think she's still playing catch-up, Sarah. I think she's still... She's still trying yeah, to get through. Yeah. yeah, bless her. Well, hopefully you'll get the achievement point as we did for, for getting through that. But it's good to get back to some other Doctor Who. So we're back to uh, some modern Doctor Who this week. Should yeah. be good. You went up to anything Who, dude, the last week? Yeah, I have had a little, uh, I've had a little jaunt out to the Cotswolds um, last week which is rather nice. So the stones are quite appropriate, actually, because we've just finished the key to time season. The the location for the stones of blood, the roll right stones is about an hour, hour and 20 minutes drive from me. So it's not, it's not that far. And I've been wanting to go there for ages. And um, so I had a day off and my well, sort of, you know, nagging my partner, like, let's, let's go to the right. I said, I've been wanting to go to the right. So it's a beautiful sunny day. Let's go to the right. So anyway, moan, moan, moan. Another dot two location. <laughs> anyway, we did go out there, and uh, it's just past. So you go past Blenheim, and it's about another twenty minutes or so. Um, so not not a million miles, and um, yeah, it was it was really nice. It was a scorch hot day. It's it's weird because obviously in the show they've taken their own rock. So when you get there, you sort of think there's like the stone circle. There's nothing in the middle of the circle. And I thought, is this it? Because I know there's a couple of different bits of the roll right stones thing is this the bit is this the bit where tom stood and anyway it was and uh, we had a good look around there and had a nice walk through the fields it was beautiful it was just like the perfect day for it, it was so sunny and lovely and um there was somebody there with uh I, you know like when people are looking for oil they've got like these sticks and stuff and she had this sort of metal rods and i assume she was looking for ghosts or some sort of presence so i was watching watching her do that rather than so i i stood in the middle and sort of tried to make contact with any something, but I couldn't feel any. I didn't get anything, unfortunately. I didn't get any. Uh, what, what was the name of the old deer in that one? The one yeah. that we really, Mrs. Whatever her name Whatever was. Whatever name was, yeah. You didn't get any vibes, yeah. no. No, I was hoping she might come back and have a chat with me, but she, she didn't. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool. It's a location I've been meaning to go to for ages. And I I hoped being going in the week, because I think it was a Thursday. Well, it must have been a week today, but... I was hoping we'd be the only ones there. I was thinking, I hope it's really quiet because it's in the week. No, it was, um, it's really quite busy. Loads of kids and running around, jumping on the stones. And I was amazed you could touch it. I thought like there was people sitting on them, reading a book, like, uh, you know, and I was thinking, obviously they're protected or whatever, but I didn't think you'd be able to sort of actually do that. You know, I mean, maybe touch it and, oh, I've touched the stone, but not sit on it and run around it. And anyway, but yeah, it was quite busy there. Uh, which was nice to see. And um, yeah, I did a little bit of filming. I don't, don't know when I'll get to edit it together, but I did a little location thingy from a the channel there. So that, that was quite good fun. And um, yeah, so yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a tick, 
a box ticked, if you like. It was really nice to go to, to that location. I wore my scarf, I wore my fourth doctor scarf. Um, nice. It's the, Good. you know, the one you've got that's the really, 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 really long version mm-hmm. that lit, I, literally I can't wear because I'm so short that, you know, I turn into a mummy if I try and put that thing on. <laughs> I wore the version of that, but it's much shorter. <laughs> So it's like the, the Christmas version of it. Oh, the muggle version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the very yeah. small version of, yeah, yeah. of that scarf. So I wore that um, just to, you know, just to take a bit of who back to location with me. So, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I haven't really done anything else. I I was hoping I'd get, so the new big finish, um, the Tom Baker and David Tennant story out of time, finally got released uh, yesterday as we were recording. And um, I was really hoping I'd get to dip into that uh, but I haven't had a chance to download it yet. But that might be on my radar for this afternoon because I'm seeing a lot of people saying that it's really good fun and, um, you know, just a, a good fun story. And I can imagine those two together. So that might be what I do this afternoon, but I just haven't had a chance yet. Um, have you pre-ordered that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you would because you yeah, love, yeah. love Tenet, don't you? Yeah. Same so, yeah. as you, though. I've not had a chance to to dive into it yet. Well, they've really, they've really sort of bigged it up, haven't they? I mean, they've, they've been teasing it all month because the thing with the big finish is they don't give release dates. They just say it's coming out in August or whatever. And um, so it's like, yeah, but when? And they, they've, they've been teasing it all month, like, oh, it'll be out soon. It'll be out soon. They finally released it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, looking forward to diving into that when I get a chance. Yeah, cool. Um, our uh, reviewer, Mark, uh, on our team has done a review for that, which is up on our website today. So we're recording on Thursday. Yeah. 27th. So by the time you listen to this, it'll be uh, in in the past. But yeah, head over to the website and check it out. It's a good review by Mark. Did he did he yeah. enjoy it? Um, mostly. Yeah. Mostly. I think that's the yeah. thing. It's like a lot of that. It's easy going. I would imagine it's mm-hmm. not going to be like a ground. I'm not expecting anything groundbreaking. It's not going to be a spare parts classic. But I'd imagine it's going to be a a fun listen. Yeah. Yes. I did see one thing that surprised me about those releases though, because I think they're doing. You can buy a bundle of three stories, or maybe it's four. I can't remember. Of, of it's the day, you know, the tenth Doctor with all the other Doctors, so one Doctor each release. Apparently, they're, they're really spaced out, so it's like one a year. Um, yeah. but I don't know if they made that clear when you pre-ordered it, because I saw a lot of people kicking off saying, "Like, what? I've got to wait a year to get <laughs> the next one," and you know, because they take the money straight away. And that, I understand why they do that, because you're sort of helping to sort of fund big finish, you know, by doing that but it is quite frustrating when you pay up front and then you've got to wait three or four years to actually get what you've paid for i mean it's crazy when you think about it but um but yeah i get why they do it because obviously you're funded you know so they can keep producing great content obviously of course yeah yeah, yeah it's a long time though i must admit it, yeah, must, well, it, yeah. Yeah, it must have something to do with scheduling with with mr tenant i would assume i don't think he's free I don't think he's as free as Tom Baker to just pop along or do some recording whenever he wants. Even in lockdown, I think he's still pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, that's another thing that's on my list uh, to listen to. So he did some podcasts um, last year, which were really good. David Tennant, this is yeah. not Tom Baker. Imagine if Tom Baker did a podcast, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Um, he should do that, actually. That'd be mm. absolutely amazing. <laughs> but yeah, Tennant did a podcast series last year and they were very good. Um, he did one with Jody and... And uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, that was, I think that was the first one he did. Gosh, her language on that podcast was shocking. <laughs> I don't know if you ever listened to it. So. Yeah, she's like a truck driver. She, yes, yeah, <laughs> I was really quite surprised. 
language like that from the Queen. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he's just uh, released um, a couple of new podcasts, mm. I, I believe, and I haven't had a chance to listen to them. But the one that I'm interested in, I think, is the latest one with George Takai. I think I'm saying his name right. That's name right. right. Yep. He played Sulu in Star Trek, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently he goes into sort of the um, behind the scenes you know, uh, disagreements with Shatner and the, the cast and, you know, cause there was always a bit of friction between Takai and Shatner, I think. Um, Hello. but you know, as someone who loves the star- original Star Trek, I'm really looking forward to it, listening to that. Yeah. They're very good. I've listened to both of them. Were you about to do a William Shatner impression? There? No, it's the to George Takai. Oh yeah. It's uh yeah. The first one that he did with Jim Parsons, who played Sheldon oh, on the big oh. bang theory. Yes. That's I'm a really good listen. Really good listen. Uh, anyone that's a fan of the Big Bang Theory will know that it's very difficult to get anything out of Jim Parsons. Because any, anyone that likes the show will know how big an event it was when it finished and the finale and everything. And um, all the other cast members were just crying all over the place and doing interviews. But Jim was like really quiet. And uh, it took David Tennant like nine minutes to get him to spill all of the reasons why he left the show and oh, almost really? got him crying and everything. Yeah, it's it's a... Like David Tennant seems, he seems to have stepped up his, uh, his interview, not really interview, but like, um, kind of, he's almost got that Parkinson vibe about him where he's very, yeah, yeah, but he's, he's just very easy going now. It's just, he doesn't apply any kind of pressure to his questions or anything. He kind of draws it out via conversation. It's very good. So that they're both really good. Actually, it's, um. Yeah, I might go back and re-listen to some of those season one episodes, though, because they were pretty good, actually. Yeah, I suppose yeah. he was finding his feet a bit in the first one. Now he's probably got the, you know, it's just like water off a duck's back to him, probably. Yeah, but the George uh, Takai so yeah, one is good, though, mate. If you're after some, you're, if you're after some uh, spilling the tea on the whole Shatner thing and some of that stuff, he doesn't go into it too much, but he does He does drop the odd the odd thing where you think, oh, okay, that, that sounded yeah. a bit dodgy, but... Yeah, it's a good I listen. Shall give it a listen. <laughs> <laughs> There's another podcast by <laughs> David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you've done anything <laughs> before no, we waffle on to everything yeah. else to do with David Tennant and Star Trek? Have you done anything else? Who? No. no, no. <laughs> no uh, just been working. Yeah, I've done very little, mate. The only one thing I have done is carry on with my uh, uh, Davison. Um, train so last week i watched castro valva just on a whim i thought yeah because you're like castro valva really yeah i I do like that story but yeah it wasn't one i thought you'd you'd go to yeah and we couldn't say too much obviously because we haven't reviewed that one yet oh have we oh no so we can't yeah it's a bit hush on that one but i did carry on so i watched four to doomsday which is just hilarious unintentionally on so (laughs) many levels Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and the whole floating through space with the cricket ball and yeah. yeah it's it's very very funny i don't I think it meant, we were, yeah, not meant to be funny but yeah i remember we reviewed that being quite surprised how much you liked it actually because uh yeah it's a it's it's an odd it is odd isn't it it's an odd one that it is odd yeah, yeah. anyway so yeah watch for to doomsday on the old brit box and uh that was it that's what i've done well you're dangerously yeah. close to richard mace then if you're carrying <laughs> on that dangerously close to yeah. <laughs> actually there's a there's a there's a rumor that um because Britbox have been um pretty um pretty strong with adding stuff onto the service over the last few weeks. They've added um 
a bunch of really cool classic stuff like The Prisoner and um, oh, I love The Prisoner, the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, and brilliant. Uh, Jerry Anderson's UFO, like some really good old school, really Ooh, good quality nice. uh, sci-fi. And uh, I heard a rumor knocking around that old Blake might be added on there at some point. Oh, surely it's got to be. So that might be my opportunity to uh, to dive in because, much to your disgust, I've never seen a <laughs> I've never seen an episode of Blake Seven, which yeah. is your favorite TV show. Which it yeah it is yeah I know sorry Doctor Who it's a it's a close shave but Blake there is something about Blake Seven <laughs> uh, which I just love. It's weird though because. It's one of those shows, like, if I was to say to you, right, what episode should I pick to get you into it? I really, it's really hard to do because really there's a, there's a progression throughout the whole series. So really, I always say start at the beginning, obviously, mm. even though they're individual stories, it's good to, to watch the characters progress and it changes. The cast completely changed by series four, um, pretty much. Um, but the thing is that series one's quite bleak. So it's also not always the best place to start. Like our good friend Lee Binding said, oh no, I can't, you know, he's not a fan of it at all. And I was heartbroken. I was like, oh, but Lee, it's a, it's the best show ever. He's like, oh no, it's depressing. I'm like, well, no, the first episode is bleak as heck, but it's a good story, but it's not a barrel of laughs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's, so it's difficult. But I always say start at the beginning because it, it really kicks off the whole mm. story of, of, you know, why these guys get together and, and stuff. But yeah, so it's a difficult one because, Obviously, Terry Nation wrote pretty much all of series one, and then he kind of handed it over to other people and wrote the odd episode. So it, it does change from series two onwards. But yeah, I'd love you to watch it. I just don't don't watch the first one and think, "Blimey, neck, you know, <laughs> bad enough of this." Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you would though. I think I think you'd like it because it's got that classic Who vibe. It's got Dudley Simpson does the music, so it's got Dudley's you know trademark all over it, and a lot of people that appeared in Doctor Who appear in it. You know, so it's. It's definitely got that classic Who vibe, that yeah. sort of 70s, 80s feel. Yeah. I remember the first time that Adam told me about uh, Blake Seven. It was at the first event that you and I... Or oh, the Copthorne. At the Copthorne Hotel, yeah. So the day of the Doctor's event, back in, what was it, 2015, maybe? Oof, probably, 2014, yeah. 2015, day of the Doctor's event at the Copthorne. The event was done, we was in the bar afterwards. With Camsey, wasn't it? Oh, Camsey, yeah, old uh, Cameron, the previous owner of Blogs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, loads, a bunch of other cool people that we had um, sort of met and hung out with during the day. It was really cool. And um, we was at the bar. This is like two or three pints in, and Adam's telling me about Blake Seven, how much I should watch it and how amazing it is and, and all that. And then he just drops this, drops this clangor in there, like, oh, by the way, though, um, you might not like... Uh, some of it, even the cast didn't like it because the dude that stars as Blake didn't even want to come back. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even the act like the, the lead actor himself didn't want to come back and play Blake afterwards. Was that after season one, series one or series two? Season two. I think he was, yeah, Gareth. I mean, he always loved the show, but yeah, he was getting a bit of stick. um, (laughs) I think from his fellow actors, like why are you in this terrible BBC sci-fi? You know, you should be on stage, darling doing. So he did go off and do other things. So, um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's weird because the Blake Seven, the Seven, I think there is only like a couple of episodes where there's actually seven <laughs> actual members of the cast because it changes so much over the years. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, so expectedly I fell about laughing for about, I don't know, five, ten minutes. It's just the Blake thing as well. I remember us getting drunk and going, Blake! Because there's a bit where Travis, <laughs> the, one of the villains that keeps shouting, Blake! 
<laughs> you know, in this stupid, ridiculous voice. But oh, that was a good day. I, my other memory from that is um, oh, I think it was that one, or my, definitely at the Copthorne, was when they put a misprint on the form, and it was supposed to say Sylvester McCoy will be signing in the <laughs> in the bar area at this time, but they they printed it as Sylvester McCoy will be singing in the bar. So he come through with doing the spoons because it's McCoy. He's like playing the spoons and singing, and he says, well, apparently on the on the schedule it says I'm singing in here at this time. So that was quite a nice moment. Everyone, because he just literally just walked into the middle of the bar doing this song and dance. Typical McCoy. Typical McCoy. Yeah. yeah is that brilliant. the same one or was that a different one? I forget no, that was now. the same one. That was the same yeah. one. Yeah. They were great. Oh, great days. I yeah. really do miss those sort of conventions. They yeah. Were great. I, it's, um, I've got, you know, one of my best memories um, from that event was uh, the night before, actually. I, I went down there and oh, stayed yeah, over. Oh, the night before, yeah. Yeah, so I was in the restaurant at the hotel and a couple of tables away from me was... Oh, I can't even remember who, who was. Oh, who uh, was it? The event. Um, it was um the guy that played Nida, I think. Yeah. In Genesis. Yeah. Um, one of the old directors. I can't even find the event for it anymore. Um, uh, the event page for it, but it was like a not. It was nobody that starred in Doctor Who. It was like a couple of directors from the classic era. Uh, the dude that played Nida, and um, and. Uh, and a couple of other people anyway, they were at the table a couple of uh, away from me and um, yeah, they got absolutely smashed. Like, <laughs> and some of the stuff they were coming out with, it was so fun. It's like, Oh yeah. Do you remember that lighting guy on episode one of whatever? He was an annoying beat, wasn't he? We had to cut three times and beat. We had to get his beeping pliers out and yeah, we ended up firing him and the next guy was rubbish and beep and yeah, it was really funny just hearing those lot. I bet you were uh, just sat there taking it all in. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was um yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I get my um uh, my chip implanted in my brain that sorts my memory out, I'll be able to retell these stories a lot more in a lot more detail. But anyway, it was a bunch of um classic who a uh, couple of producers and directors and that. it was definitely peter miles yeah i remember miles, Nigel yeah. was there because yeah. i remember meeting him yeah uh, yes. well, obviously not then i met him at the event but um yeah i can't remember who else was there but yeah. i remember great, you telling me yeah. it just all smashed because i was saying god you and they're there the next day signing all bright and mm-hmm. you know as if like you know nothing's like that's just because i remember saying to you they're obviously just used to going to the bbc bar and getting smashed and carrying on working because you never guess they're all hung over old school mate proper <laughs> old school yeah yeah so anyway, that's what we've been up to for the week. The week in who? Need a little jingle for that. The week in who? Oh, that's Parkinson. That's Parkinson, yeah. Right, it's uh, merch time, dude. So uh, Grumpy Knickers has been, he's back from his travels, from his vacation. So let's see what mood he's in. All right. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch it's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. Oh, dear. Oh. You'd think he'd like this first bit. Yeah, but no. I know why. It's because he was hoping he'd get royalties from it, probably. Feels like he's getting stiffed out the out the money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, come on! Don't be like that. No. All right then. He's having none of it. He's having none of it. No. What's that? 
Get lost, mate. <laughs> can I be? What's you want? Can I come on the podcast? Get out of it. Way. No Jesus Christ. Anyway, all right, he's gone. His mood hasn't improved. I don't know what's what's it going to take to get him in a good mood. I've no idea. Impossible, mate. Yeah. Absolutely impossible. Yeah, I'll get my backhand around those tentacles later. <laughs> Swift one. That'll sort him out. Right. Anyway, um, uh, character. You know the company character. The uh, the dudes that make the the action figures that a lot of you collect, including you, Bod. Yeah, including me. Yeah. <laughs> they have produced uh, this uh, Dalek uh, set based on the. Um, uh, it's just an episode from the Chase, I believe. One of the later episodes, isn't it? The Jungles of. Um, uh, what's it Good called? Good luck with this. Mechan- uh, jungles of Machinus. 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 There we go. Yeah. The Jungles of Mechanus, Dalek figure set, uh, is up for order right now from character. And you can order it direct from the website. And this is also available to international uh, buyers as well. This is not just a UK B&M thing. Now, this must be cool for a lot of people, dude, because how we all know the tale, don't we? Where they have a kind of an exclusivity agreement with somebody like B&M they announce it and it kind of goes live on roughly the date that they were hoping to get them live on. You're not people just with people just legging all over the B and M stores, trying to pick them up. And then yep. you get to the BM, the B and M store and there's none left because somebody was in there one minute before you and bought every set to go and put on eBay. Exactly. That's how yep. it goes, right? That is how it happens. Yep. So character, I think I could be wrong, but I don't think they, typically do this i don't think they put these sets up for order on their own website that often uh the brand new ones anyway so uh they've got it on the website i'll put a link to this in the show notes uh 25 quid and it's showing as in stock as we record on the 27th on thursday so the blurb that has popped up for this one is back in 65 uh the six-part story the chase became famous in the eyes of who fans for being special in many ways featured some unique guest daleks in episodes three and five. The exclusive Jungles of Mechanus Dalek figure set has been created to offer something unique to delight fans and collectors and pay homage to the unique Daleks seen on screen. And anyone that's seen these pictures, these pictures have been around for a long, long time. It's uh, it's the silver, blue and yellow um, Dalek set, which you can buy as a nice little pair. Mm. Uh, oh, this might be what would put him in a good mood, you know. What's that? He's on his lonesome. That's the problem. Oh, you think he needs a... Yeah. think he needs a mate? Yeah, I can't bring this up with him. Crikey. Oh, can't no, have two of them. Can't, can't have, have that them. chat with it. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, you so, could be right. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. It's the only thing he's never had is, a, is a, another Dalek buddy. Mm. Anyways, the Jungles of Mechanus set, I assume you've already ordered these or are about <laughs> to, right? Oh, it goes without saying. I, uh, <laughs> no, I, I love, absolutely love, this is my what, favourite Dalek, well, one of my favourite Dalek colour schemes. I don't know what it is, because basically they're the movie Daleks, but they're not from the Cushion movies, but you're not allowed to, they're not allowed to do that for rights reasons. So they appeared literally for seconds in the Chase TV serial. Um, you just see them in the background. It is a very much blink and you'll miss it. I think the BBC were light on Dalek props, so they said, oh, can we borrow those? 
movie ones, but you know, we'll make them look a bit different. So I think they chop the bass off them at one point. But you you hardly see them in the actual TV show. But they they so but because of the rights, they can't call them movie Daleks. But I love these ones because they've got the big chunky bass. They've got the big lights. I love the color scheme. It's just so sort of sixties that blue and silver and everything. Um, so yeah, this was uh, as soon as they announced this, I was quite surprised actually because. Um, you know, I'd got this email, this mysterious email come through saying uh, there's going to be an announcement on Wednesday um, from character, you know, be prepared to get the news out there. I was like, oh, what's this about then? And I assumed it was going to be a new series or, you know, the next wave of B&M sets. Apparently they're doing even more of the B&M before the end of the year, which I find incredible. But um, so I was thinking it would be something like that. I was, was not expecting this at all. Uh, but yeah, it's a pleasant surprise. So I, I love the fact, really, that they're doing it through the website because it does save all that trying to get to a B&M store, which I find really, really tiresome. It, it, you know, it, it just takes all that stress away. I went online, ordered it, bam, done. And, uh, you know, it's just as easy as that. And I, they are limited. I, the, I think they're doing, how many did he say? There's a little video on the website, and he does say, I think, it's like, can't be 5,000, is it 50? I don't know. There's a limited number. And when they're gone, they're gone. But it's not a small amount. There's, you know, there's enough to go around. So hopefully that'll deter the eBayers. Although, no word of a lie, uh, mate. These are already, even though they haven't even blimmin' been dispatched yet, there's already some of these on eBay Mm -hmm. going for 49.99. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, why would you buy it from eBay for 50 quid when you can still get it from the website for 25? I mean, what is going on? Anyway, they look great. Yes, I've pre-ordered them. Um, I can't wait to get them, to be honest. I think they they look really nice. I hope they do more of this. I would much rather get it online than having to, you know, try and battle my way for B&M every time they release these. It's a real pain. So I hope this is more the way they go. Yeah, um, they, they've done it twice or a couple of times before. They did it with a Missy figure, which I don't think proved to be that popular, which is a shame. I think it sold well, but not as well as they'd hoped. So that was a bit of a trial for them, I think, just to see how it went to sell direct from their website. Um, so hopefully this sells well and that'll encourage them to do do more. And the reason I say that about Missy is because I know it, it was very limited and it's still on the website and reduced. So clearly it didn't sell quite as well as I hoped. But this, I think, will do well. I, I hope so. I think I think it's a really nice set. Yes, it is a kind of a cool set, this one. Yeah, yeah I good. know you don't buy the figures, but are you in any way tempted with these? I mean, they will look great on a shelf. Uh, not, no, no. No? No. Oh, I'll tell you what it is, mate. There's nothing against the people at character. I just don't really like the quality or the, the build or any of the the process from character dude i haven't for a long time it's but i appreciate for for collectors like yourself and other who fans it's um this is a this is a an awesome one to get so yeah yeah oh, fair enough. yeah i know you're not much into the figures but uh, yeah. yeah i was on i was on it like a bat out of hell when this was <laughs> straight on there yeah yeah nice. i'm into figures i've got plenty of figures of other other things it's just character they just don't you know i can't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So you anyway. like Mattel, don't you? No, what's the one you like? Uh, well, there's a few, but yeah. Um, Kenner, like the old Kenner, Kenner stuff. Kenner, that's um, it. Yeah, Kenner. Yeah, McFarlane. You're no. a Kenner man. <laughs> yeah, Necker, McFarlane, those sorts of things. But anyway, uh, if you pre-order it now, these are going to dispatch on Monday the 7th of September. So you will likely get them 
uh, by the end of that week, I would say, uh, depending on what your postman is like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, uh, we'll see yours in November. Yeah, um, thrown over the wall. Over the, yeah, Dense you'll find it smash. in the bush. You'll find it. Yeah, Dalek eye on the floor. <laughs> uh, so that's the Dalek uh, set um, uh, direct order from character. Yeah, we'll stick a note in the show notes for that. Cool. Moving on then. So the Dot 2 figurine collection, classic subscription, uh, which I do buy a lot of these. So it's the magazine that comes with a little tiny figurine. Uh, they're no longer going to be available in news agents and shops starting from issue 180. So if you want them, you're going to have to either subscribe, uh, which you get them at a reduced cost, or you will be able to order them from Eagle Moss directly or ForbiddenPlanet.com. Um, this is, I, I'm not surprised by this. I, as I said, I do collect these. Um, these, I think, really vary. Some of them, I think, look fantastic. So they just did the uh, Dragonfire Dragon as a special. He was quite a big figurine. Um, and I managed to pick one up in Smith's last week. Uh, looks fantastic. Absolutely mm. love it. And then you get, it's a bit like with Harapax. You get a couple of the, so they're doing River Song next. And, Ooh, I mean, you know, there's a slight resemblance. So they're very hit and miss, but when they're good, they're <laughs> really resemblance. good. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I pretty much collect them all anyway, just because I, I do like them, even when they're not so good. So, but yeah, you're not going to be able to get them in store. Um, I was amazed to see this in WH Smith, to be honest with you, um, because they have become harder and harder to get. Very often when I'm in Forbidden Planet, they'll have them. So I, I picked them up there. Uh, but it sounds like that even they're only going to be doing them online. From now on but if you want to subscribe uh you get i think it's every four weeks they send two uh and you get them for reduced price of 7.99 instead of 9.99 uh, which includes delivery um and yeah i suppose it, it it's nice if you want to just have the not have the hassle of ordering them individually me personally because i've had bad experiences ordering directly from eagle moss in the past and i do believe they've sorted out their stuff now so they're probably a lot better but i'm talking a long time ago i just didn't really have a good experience with was i often get mine directly from forbidden planet i've never had a problem ordering from those guys but yeah so if you want to get those figures you're not going to see them in the shops anymore to be honest they they were getting quite hard to find in the shops anyway so it's not really a, a big difference but yeah, yeah. go to www.shopeaglemoss.com if you want to subscribe because they will no longer be available in shops. And they're currently going up to issue 200, uh, which might be extended. Um, mm, yeah. But yeah, for, but from issue 180, you'll need to subscribe or order online. Yeah. And that's expected, you, I suppose, isn't it? 200. I mean, there's only, I mean, how many characters are there in Doctor Who? I know there's more than 200, but it, mm. to, to do a figurine on it. Otherwise, you're going to do like every extra in the background. <laughs> yeah, well, they've done quite a lot of variants as well, and I think mm. there are some there are some great mon- monsters they could still do. Um, but yeah, again, they did, I don't know. There's plenty of scope there, but I know what you mean. It, it's uh, it'd be nice to have a cut off just for my wallet's point of view, just to say right once this is issues done, you know, but then something else will come along. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. have you ever bought one of these? I mean, no. I've, I've bought loads. Um, but have you have you got any of these Eagle Moth figures in your collection? No, no, I've never. Not a single one. Never bought one, mate. No, oh. no, no, no. But they've done. I'll tell you the ones that have been best. They did a the Dandelion Auton. You know the yellow jacket and hat. Mm-hmm. That is one of my favourite figures. I, that is 
they just absolutely nailed that figure. <laughs> and the Nymon figure. Brilliant. Oh, the Nymon. How many Nymons have you seen today? Just, uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, you, if you're only going to pick up any figure from that collection, I'd recommend those two. They're brilliant figures. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, we will stick a link in the show notes again to to go and fire up a subscription if you want it. You have to make sure that you select what's called the classic subscription. Uh, the the other one, if you Google it or go onto their website and there's the usual subscription stuff, that, that stuff no longer works. You can't sign up to any of that stuff. You want what's called the classic sub. And um, you'll get the first two issues together. So you'll get 180 and 181. They'll come out together. And then after that, you'll... um. You'll, you'll be charged once a month and um, yeah. And then your subs will arrive. I'm assuming they'll arrive together from that point on, or maybe once one, one every two weeks or something like that. Yes. There we go. That's I, the, uh, the character stuff. They're if anyone, any of our listeners do subscribe, whatever, I'd be really interested to know what they're like to deal with now. Cause as I said, it was a long time ago. I had problems with them and they used to send them out in a box with like, They'd just shove them in a cardboard box, which was pretty much falling apart. This is every delivery I got. And it would have like one of those string, plastic string ties, just holding it together. Mm-hmm. And I just used to think how this has arrived. Like, well, I had a couple of that didn't arrive. But I just had, they were just terrible uh, back in the day. But they may have improved. So if you subscribe to it now or you've had ones that have arrived broken like I had and you've had to get them sorted out or if you've had any issues with Eagle Moss, what? Let us know, please, what they're like to deal with now, because they, they've probably improved, I would hope, since. And I might be tempted to order from them again. Um, but for now, I'm going to stick to FP, because yeah, 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 much easier to deal with. But yeah, I'd be very interested if any of you guys listening do subscribe. Let me know what they're like now, in yeah. terms of how they're delivered and stuff. Yeah, cool. Let us know. Yep. And last bit of news is the Doctor Who comic run over at Titan Comics is seemingly getting a reboot of sorts so the the current run has been going for uh well i think a couple of years now is it at oh, least yeah, it must i be, think yeah. and uh they're launching a new run uh which is starting with issue number one uh which is going to drop in november so towards the end of november and this first issue as always and as expected will have a bunch of variants uh, six different covers for this one and the storyline for this one is Doctor Who returns in the comic debut of the iconic 70s with the comic debut of the iconic 70s TV villain after narrowly escaping the Weeping Angels and the Autons in 1960s London. The 10th and 13th Doctors must now team up once again to save present-day Earth from being overrun by the classic aquatic villain, the Sea Devils. Who else can they turn to for help but Rose Tyler? leader of the human resistance, the resistance. So issue number one, then it's a kind of, I don't know if it's soft reboot. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is like a completely separate run, but it doesn't feel like it because it's just labeled as doctor who from Titan. So it it doesn't have that additional spin-off feel to it. It feels like this is the main run, but they've just resetting it or rebooting. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's out in November. You can pre-order it from most comic book and bookshops like Forbidden Planet, etc., etc. Uh, oh, dude, I ordered some stuff from Forbidden Planet um, uh, Monday last week. Yeah, and um, still waiting. Yeah, 
So basically, I oh. said, I said to, uh, I said to Nat, I said, uh, I've ordered some stuff from FP today, and um, norm- normally I'd be very cynical and skeptical and be like, "Well, I'll see that in a month, maybe." <laughs> and uh, and and she said, "Well, you know, you've got to give them some slack at the minute due to COVID and and all that stuff." And I said, "Yeah, but when we didn't have COVID and and all that stuff going on, I still waited ages and ages for my stuff." Anyway, I ordered it on Monday. On Friday, I got um, my bank app popped up, you know, X amount taken from Forbidden Planet. I was like, okay, that's taken you oh. five days. Not not too bad considering. And um, and then I got my uh, dispatch email from them. I think it was Tuesday this week. And that takes three to five working days. So I'm expecting them next week now. So, um, yeah, uh, anyone that's going to order from Forbidden Planet, just a heads up. You've probably heard us talk about these guys uh, many times on the show before, but do not expect a speedy um, turnaround and delivery. So these are due to land on the 18th of November. You'll probably see them the first week of December. And that's no over-exaggeration, unless you go into FB, of course. But anyway, there's going to be six covers for this, and they all range from the usual cartoony style to the photographic um, uh, um, composition stuff. And then you've got the blank version, uh, which you can put your own sketch on, or take it to a convention and get one of the artists to put their their uh, their sketch on it for you. Um, so um, yeah, it's a bit weird this one really because only one of the oh, actually only two out of the six covers actually features the Sea Devils, yeah. which is weird. So cover A by Momoko and cover D by Andolfo, uh, who I assume are the artists. They they feature the Sea Devils, which is great. Cover B. Uh, which is the photo variant, which looks like a Will Brooks style cover. Mm, Uh, It's just got rows front and center and then cover C and cover E. So C Jones and E Scott is weird. So cover C, you've just got rows and the, and, uh, and, and the 10th doctor ready to face off against someone. The 13th doctor is not even on that cover and on cover E, you've got this weird, you've just got every single Doctor featured on the front. Yeah, I mean, are they in it? I'm totally confused. Yeah, I don't even think they're in it. So kind of a weird uh, array of covers. Now, normally, for issue one, I'll order the six covers just to put them in the comic box and, Mm. you know, it's nice to have them as like the first kickoff. I don't normally do that for all of them, but just the first issue. Uh, In fact, for Doctor Who, I've normally, um, well... I've reverted to just getting the trade paperbacks or the the graphic novels now. I don't even pick up the single issues, but I might. Uh, but I'm not sure on this one though. Like I said, normally I'll order the variants on issue number one, but I don't know. Apart from two of them that actually featured the Sea Devils, the other ones look very generic and a little bit like I'm not sure how they relate to the story at all. Yeah, what about you, dude? You feeling uh, these? Yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I, I'm a bit lost with all these different comics at the moment i don't know where we are with them at all um in terms of the covers yeah i'd i'd probably go one one of the ones with a sea devil on it just because for me that's the only thing i'm really interested in. that's the only thing that's drew my interest in this so i'm not really bothered about the 13th doctor and 10 and particularly uh but the fact is the sea devils yeah spiked my interest so i'd probably go with one of the sea devil <laughs> but i don't know they're all they're all a bit odd aren't they i'm looking at them thinking they look nice but 
they also look weird. Yeah. I mean, look at the first doctor on that multi-doctor cover. He looks like a zombie. What's going on <laughs> with his eyes? Yeah. Uh, it's for me, mate. If I'm, if I was going to get one, I'd probably get cover D. The, and, the Andolfo. Rose. No, it's got uh, uh, 10 and 13, and then you've got the Sea Devils on the outside, sort of looks like they're approaching, ready to do something to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I agree. I do like that one. Yeah. 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 I probably will get, I will probably get, uh, I mean, I will get this comic. Um, I'll probably get two variants of it, but not sure which ones. Mm. Normally I'd go with the multi doctor. It just looks so odd. Strange, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I'll probably pick that up as, as, as well. Cool. Cool. Titan comics starting at issue number one again, the sea devils <laughs> starting all over again, yeah. all over again. We'll be out in November and you can head over to, uh, to forbidden planet or any comic book outlet. You order your comics from to grab those. And that's ten is, uh, sorry, I just want you to keep fish. I just wanted to get your opinion on something. Cause 10 is really getting, uh, getting out there again at the minute, isn't it? The 10th doctor, they're really pushing him, which, um, I know you love 10, which is why I'm just curious to see how you feel about it. I know a lot of people feel like 30th doctors being a bit, sidelined but he's like you know he's got the title victorious he's doing big finish now the comics he's alongside 13 is it a bit much are they relying on 10 is it because it looks to me as an outsider like they thought oh 10's the most popular doctor let's just put him in on everything and it'll sell which it probably will um but yeah do you, i don't know do you think they're relying on 10 a little bit too much like are we in danger of them sort of you, there isn't a chance you might get sick of it. Like I, I already feel like I want another doctor to be like 12 for me gets forgotten quite a lot. I'm thinking if 12 was involved, it'd be a bit more interesting, but it's 10 again. Yeah. But as someone who loves yeah. the 10th doctor, what do you think? Is he being oversaturated at the minute? No, I read you. I think it's just time. It, it's just timings. I feel mm. because if we, if you just take one of these things away, then it doesn't feel so oversaturated. Yeah. So if, if the, if the tenant and and Tom Baker uh, big finish story wasn't out now, then this would be fine. You know, similarly, if these comics weren't coming out now, it'd be fine. So it's just it feels like it's just one thing too much, maybe for the tenth Doctor. But mm-hmm. from the, you from the BBC's point of view, you. But in terms of keeping Doctor Who rocking and rolling while it's not on TV and there's no production, you do what you've got to do, I suppose. If you look back historically at your most popular things then that's what you use i suppose that's what you you go with you know yeah no absolutely yeah no i agree issue number one we'll probably get two two covers yeah <laughs> yeah well right, that's gonna do for news and merch no news that's gonna do for merch it's review time bud indeed yeah what we got so, um, yeah, we're switching to the 11th Doctor this week uh, with the episode Cold War. Viva Las Vegas! Who the hell are you? Not Vegas, then! No! This creature is a Western weapon. Is he that dangerous? This one is. Yeah. He's got nothing left to lose. We are all that stands between this creature and the destruction of the world. Get out of there. Get out. Now there will be a second red planet. 
Bread with the blood of humanity. Coming to warheads. I will blow this sub up before you can even reach that button. Whoa. Just while I remember, because that sound effect was right at the end of that trailer, it was bugging me all the way through. What it sound, I was thinking that sounds like something else, and I've just realised what it is. That it sounds like the silence, that mm. clicking. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was bugging me yesterday when I was rewatching this. I was like, that sounds like another monster. That, but it it's does. just twigs. Listen to the trailer; it's the silence. Right. Yes, it sounds like a mix of the silence and the alien from the Predator films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right then, Cold War. It was first broadcast back on the 13th of April 2013. Usual runtime for this series, 45 minutes. It was written by Mark Gattis, directed by Douglas McKinnon. Stars Matt Smith, Jenna Louise Coleman as the TARDIS team, uh, with a fairly decent lineup of actors for the supporting cast in this one. And the synopsis is, it's early 80s, it's 1983, and we're at the kind of height of the Cold War between the US and the and the Soviet Union at the time. And we pick up the story above uh, on board a Soviet submarine called the Firebird, where they've discovered a strange creature frozen in the ice at the Arctic. Uh, and then when it breaks free, it starts going berserk as always. The Doctor and Clara arrive to uh, clean up the mess, obviously, but after the TARDIS has buggered off, that is. Um, but it's kind of a bit of a, it's a bit of a, um, it's not like an all action uh, guns blazing kind of thing. It's more of a diplomatic approach that the Doctor's trying to take and trying to cool things down. It's all about negotiation and being you know, trying to be fair and stuff rather than reaching for weapons, which doesn't do any of the crew members any favours early on yeah. in the story. And it kind of has like a big uh, uh, sort of parallel with what's going on at the time uh, in, in the early 80s with the Cold War and stuff. You know, you can echo those things between um, the Ice Warriors and, and Earth and stuff like that a little bit. So, yeah, so a, a, a kind of a historical, I suppose, um, in a way, it's yeah, kind it's of set, like you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but obviously, uh, having a look at a good old-fashioned um, monster from who with the uh, with the Ice Warrior. So, what do you think to Cold War, buddy? Mm. Um, overall, I found it quite an enjoyable watch, um, but it did seem to run out of steam about halfway through. I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it, visually it was fantastic. I thought the direction was really good. The, the episode looks amazing. And I, I love the Ice Warriors. I think they're a great invention as well. And I think he looks great. I'm not always very fond of how they modernise the sort of classic monsters. So I've never really liked any of the Cybermen designs uh, from the new series, you know, from 2005 onwards. But I think they got it just right with Skeldak. I think he... He still resembles that classic Ice Warrior look without being tweaked too much. I think they got it absolutely right. So he looks great. So that's why I find it a bit disappointing when he jumps out the suit sort of halfway through and it turns into this sort of blobby <laughs> breach. I thought, oh, that's a shame because he's so he's quite menacing being this great big, you know, Ice Warrior. Um, 
So for me, I, I thought the first half was brilliant. I was I was really loving it up to the, really up until when he leaves the suit, and then it turns turns into a bit of a sort of by numbers run around. You know, people being killed every now and again, and and then the end I, just left me a bit flat. Um, you know, he, he goes up to his spaceship. There's a little bit of tension of is he going to blow them up or not? And then Clara starts singing. <laughs> so, but it, it did it did leave me feeling a little bit underwhelmed i have to be honest um but it starts off brilliantly and as i said overall i did enjoy it so it's a yeah it's a little bit middle of the road for me this one but certainly certainly not bad yeah i, I enjoyed it i just felt it had so much more potential if you know what i mean i this thing of the the lone ice warrior sort of reminded me a bit of dalek with the lone dalek but i kind of wanted him to do something a bit more of it. I thought, yeah, okay, he's gone up to the spaceship. We're going to see the whole gang now. We're going to see all the, you know, this is what we've been waiting for. All the ice warriors are going to appear and they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you just see the spaceship go away and yeah, I don't know. I just felt a little bit underwhelmed by the end of it. I thought, well, that was enjoyable, but it, it, I felt it could have been be- a better. Um, but uh, yeah, overall it was good. Overall, I quite liked it. Mm. As I said, I thought visually it was fantastic. It's uh so what's this? Seven years old now, 2013. Um, yeah, it you know the, it stands up in terms of production very well. Like the CGI at the start with the ice and the boat, and there's a beautiful shot of Skeldak when he's chained up. It's sort of slow motion with sparks flying, beautifully directed and produced. It really did look good. Um, so yeah, production wise, it stood up very well. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It just, I just, yeah, it, it, it didn't quite reach the heights that I hoped that it would, but it was good. Mm. What do you think? Okay. Did it leave you cold? <laughs> <laughs> Did it leave me cold? I would say that it left me kind of lukewarm. Right, okay. I would say. Yeah. Because, when was the last time I watched this? I can't even remember, dude, the last time I watched this one. I think I've only watched it once when it went out. I don't think I've ever gone back to it. Um, no. Strangely enough, I've watched yeah. it. I've watched it a couple of times, but I think the last one I watched it was at least a couple of years ago. So it was kind of cool to watch it in that respect. In I'd forgotten a bunch of like scenes within the story, which was which was good to watch. Like the scene where Clara goes in to negotiate. Yeah, with, that's yeah. And she realizes that he's not in the suit anymore. That's really tense and stuff. And uh, good scene, yeah. yeah. And the scene where, to be honest with you, it really this sounds bad, but I'd forgotten all of the scenes with um, with David Warner, which is strange because he's such a good character in this. But I mm. remembered he was in it, but I just couldn't remember the scenes where he was interacting with people for some reason. Um, and it, like even the first scene where he's in it, where he's mopping the floor and he's singing along with his headphones, it's like yeah. a really important bit of the story where they're because you've kind of got this um friction between the captain captain zukov and the uh lieutenant um uh stepashin because stepashin's very much uh he seems like he really wants the soviet union to go to war he's up for it you know he's Mm. and all that he's very patriotic whereas zukov although he appears on the surface to be like that he he's kind of got a bit more depth to his character he's a bit more you know, understanding and, you know, um, doesn't see in such black and white. It isn't just peace and war. You know, he's yeah. got that, uh, 
other thing going on. So when them two are kind of going through the motions, although we find out it's a drill at the beginning, uh, David Warner character is uh, he's singing it away and he kind of brings that, um, and we'll come to his character a bit more later, but he kind of brings that um, kind of relatable feel to the whole thing because for the, for the most part, as expected, it's just a bunch of dudes running around a submarine trying mm. to capture a monster. You know, it's fairly simple. And, but he does bring a certain sense of, of relatability because the only thing that we've got outside of all that is Clara to a degree because she's very much um, uh, obviously loving traveling with the doctor and stuff. She's still, you know, and saving the day because there's that, there's that kind of cool bit at the end where everything's done and everyone's standing on top of the submarine and she's like, we saved the world. No, no, it was before that. Sorry. Inside of someone, she's like, we saved the world. He's like, yeah, all casual. She's like, yeah, that's what we do. So that, you know, you've got Clara who's bringing like the real world present day sort of familiarity to things, but everyone else is just these kind of military dudes. And, um, interestingly, this is the first time this relates to our previous run of reviews, but this is the first time since the power of Kroll where Clara is the only female character in the entire story. Oh, is that right? I didn't believe know. it or not. Yeah. Since the, since mm. when was Kroll? 70s? Ooh, 70s. Yeah. yeah. So it's the first time that Clara, like a female character has been on her own. Oh, wow. Believe it or not. Yeah. So she's the one that's bringing a little bit of, you know, she's bringing something for the ladies in terms of relatability, but also from a present day point of view. And uh, yeah, but David Warner's characters is uh, he's for me anyway, he's the one that kind of provides those nice little light moments a little bit of heart as he's talking through things with Clara. There's that one scene where he sat down and she, she's just seen like the massacred bodies and she's yeah. like really affected her and stuff. And he's very much like, you know, what's wrong? You know, it's all good. And then he saves her and stuff. That's a nice scene. I really mm. like that, that scene between the two of them actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so there are scenes like that, which are really nice. And the, the, the caliber of the supporting cast, the actors, They've got some really good, solid actors in there, some couple of great people. And um and Matt Smith is is great as always. But I think like you, I think there's just something that it it feels like it's being held back by something. And I can't quite put my finger on what it is at the moment. But like you said, it's got the potential to be an amazing story. Uh it just I'm not sure if it's the ending. I'm not sure how feels a bit anticlimactic, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure how things get wrapped up with how, um, uh, how, yeah, so what, because he, he sends, so Skaldak sends off this distress signal, doesn't he? And then we're under the impression anyway that the, the other ice warriors are either dead or they can't hear it. So he's literally on his own, which kind of heightens the stakes a little bit, which is really cool because the doctor says, he's got nothing else to lose now. So the chances of bargaining with him are very slim. Basically he's, he, you're likely to all be dead. So that yeah. kind of ups the ante a little bit, but then it all kind of, I, I think, I think it is the ending, you know? So as we get towards sort of the last 10 minutes, it's like, Oh, they did listen, you know, they are there. Mm. And then they beam him up and then, uh, and then Doctor says, "Come have a lift to the South Pole." Yeah, <laughs> and, that's, and that's, that's it. Yeah, I think it's the ending for me, bud. Uh, there are a couple of little bits in between that are, um, that are a little bit like, 
uh, like there's one scene where um, uh, Stepashin is he's off looking around and then um, Skaldak grabs him. You don't see his head. You just see his hands around his face yeah. and his head. Uh, and you thought there was going to be more than that because he tries to bargain with him. He's like, you know, you and I both want the same thing ultimately. Mm. You know, you and I are both warriors kind of thing and all that lot. And you think, oh, okay, are they going to have a bit of an alliance here? Is he going to go undercover? And, you know, but you don't see him again. So you just assume that he was killed and he was done. So they could have made a bit more of that. And also, yeah, uh, yeah and also the, um, the, uh, the scene where, you know, when Clara goes in to talk to him and what's a scale deck. Yeah. She's got headphones mm-hmm. on and stuff. That's all quite tense and all quite good that bit. But then when they realize that he's out of his suit, um, he zips past them out the door really quickly. Yeah. Um, and nobody goes to chase him. Like that, that was really strange to me. It was like, right. The, the alien, the monster is out of the suit and is running loose now on the submarine. Why don't we put, you know, plan a into action immediately? Cause you know, this is very bad. They all just kind of stand there and have a chat and then you don't see anything. And they go back to the control room and then they have another chat and then the, the plan gets worked out. And, you know, so there's a few bits in between that didn't quite make sense to me as I was watching it. However, I do agree with you. It did look lovely, like some of the direction. It was like a slow-mo shot of of Skaldak as he's in his armor towards the beginning. Mm. And like you said, it's in slow-mo. You can see all the particles in the air, the water drop. Yeah. It looks really nice, like some of the shots and stuff. And uh, Maybe it's the pacing a bit. I mean, that's the thing, because a yeah. lot of the action, it, it, it kicks off really quick, doesn't it? I mean, straight away, we're into the action. And that doesn't really let up until about, sort of 15 20 minutes in and then like you said then we get that great tense scene with clara mm. that's you know really good scene with clara which, and it is tense um and then of course you discover that he's left the suit and i think from there onwards the pacing seems a bit up and down um really so i think that's what it is it seems like i don't know you, you normally have a build-up and then lots of action this starts with all the action and then seems to sort of fizzle out a little bit um, and i'm still not quite sure on what the creature looks like so we get to see the hands and we get to see his face at the end sort of get the reveal of the Skeldax true face but is he uh because when i first watched this i was thinking oh is he sort of like a bit like a dalek mutant that he's scuttling around or or has he got a full body in that suit i'm still not sure quite what is inside the ice warrior suit yeah i think that's what's cool though that we don't see the entire body; it's left up to us to imagine. Oh, oh, definitely. But what do you picture? Do you picture him as a full? So you know, like you said, yeah, yeah, we yeah. see him quickly run out of the room. Yeah, I is think he's a full, full body. Yeah, naked ice warrior. I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I reckon. Yeah, he's, it looked to me like he had a bit of a tail as well. Like whenever you see like very quick like flash of him go past, mm. you saw like this very like I don't know. It might have been his legs or his feet, but I don't know. But. There's probably a design mm. of it online somewhere. I'll have to Google it and see. Um, yeah, I, I do. I agree with you. I think it's really cool that they hold off and they don't show you, you know, you get to see bits of him. You sort of build up your own idea. I agree. That is really good. And I, I like the fact that when we do see his face at the end, you know, it is kept to the end scene. Um, and it does work for me, all, all of that stuff. But yeah, I'm just slightly intrigued. What what? Because I've never thought of a nice worry in those terms. I just think of them as they look 
in the classic series. And it's, it's interesting that they try something different with them. Um, yeah. 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 Yes. Um, yeah. And the other thing was, um, in terms of, uh, the kind of base under siege formula, mm. I suppose this is. Yeah. Um, I think yeah you're right there wasn't there wasn't enough of a build up towards the the final part of the episode so ha- having like the action kick off towards beginning is cool because then you could have that kind of dip where you have that I guess from a writer's point of view you have that educational part of the story where you're finding out why he's doing what he's doing and how you're going to stop it and what's the plan and let's get the plan in action that kind of stuff but it doesn't it doesn't seem to rise back up, does it, to that initial bit of action that we had towards the beginning? No, because um, it's all right having a dip in the middle because that's yeah. quite nice to, to slow the pace down, but then it doesn't really pick back up, really. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell and you if, what, sorry. sorry. And if I remember correctly as well, in terms of writing and directing and stuff, what didn't they use actual miniatures for the submarine and stuff? I think I remember, I could be wrong, but I think back in the day, they um instead of using cg for all of the submarine work i'm pretty sure they um they use miniatures for the sub i I might be wrong with that but it just looks very cool like the underwater um the underwater stuff looked very cool it it did yeah i mean i don't know if it was cgi model like it may have been a mix of two but it did look great i thought you know it really did look good um like i said especially considering this is a few years old now yeah, but um, I don't know. I, I'm going to guess model work. It just looks a bit solid. Yeah, um, I be, think be CGI. So. Yeah, I could be wrong. Um, but. Well, I was going to say one thing. I was pleasantly surprised with this story, though, was Clara because I'm not Clara's biggest fan, um, as a lot of listeners will know. She, you know, in a lot of stories she irritates me with her smugness and stuff. But I thought she was very good in this. Um, I have to admit, like you said, the scene where she's talking to the Ice Warrior and uh, the, the, the lovely scene with David Warner. And her performance, I thought, was really good in this. She worked well with Matt as well. Um, so that was good, because I think going into this, going into any story with with Clara, I automatically think, oh, it's a Clara story, and I you know, prejudge it by that. And I, so I was expecting her to annoy me in this. You know, I thought, oh, she's going to come out with some quippy one-liner and whatever. But I, I thought Jenna was, was very good in this. I thought she, you know, she was she gave a good performance in terms of all that. You, you did feel the tension when she was in the room with Skeldak and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, and it's quite yeah. nice. Like you said, that scene at the end where she's like looking up to the doctor, she's like, yeah, we saved the world. That's what we do. And so, um, yeah, that was good to see. Maybe the more I watch Clara, maybe she will grow on me a little bit, hopefully. But um, yeah, I was pleased about that. It was one of the things I was thinking I was going to, I was like, Oh God, I'm going to a Clara story. I'm not going to enjoy this, but no, she, she was good in this. Yeah. As was Matt, yeah. actually, as yeah. was Matt. Um, we do say he's pretty consistent. I think there's very few stories where we don't think Matt quite hits the mark. I think Nightmare and Silver's one where he doesn't quite hit the mark. Um, for me, he's great in this, but did you feel... He is great, but did you feel he was slightly trying too hard uh, in some scenes? Because, you know, in his earlier seasons, Matt just seems so natural. He just seems like almost effortless. For me, I almost felt like he felt like he'd got to give that extra 10%. And it might just be because there's a lot of very shouty scenes. Um, I don't know. I just I felt like, oh, Matt, you're almost trying a bit too hard uh, to be 
quirky and funny and stuff. I don't know. But he is, don't get me wrong, I still loved him and I still thought he was really good. He just he just didn't quite have the light touch that he has in sort of series five, I would say. Yeah. Um you know, like with the Elvis glasses and all that. It might be more down to the writing. They're just he's written to be very sort of quirky and lots of one liners and stuff in this. Yes, I agree. Before I get on to Matt Smith though, I just mm. want to confirm because I, I I don't want to listeners think I'm going crazy. I've just had a quick look and the submarine was indeed done as a model miniature. It was a model. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a company called the model units. If you go to the model units.co.uk, they've done tons of doctor who models ranging from like the big Ben model that crashes through in oh, amazing. the Eccleston story. So, yeah. And they actually provided a bunch of stuff for the doctor who experience when that was open. Oh really? Yeah. But the oh. submarine, it was indeed, yeah, a miniature stuff. Um, yeah, it looks great. It, it did. Really yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt Smith. Yes. Um, there were a couple of scenes where he was really going for it and yeah, yeah you kind of felt was, was that indeed intended to kind of bring the whole thing up a bit from his point of view, maybe, or was that, um, or was that Douglas McKinnon saying, right, I really, you know, this scene needs to be like that. Maybe it's a combination of the two, but, um, sometimes, yeah, lead actors can have that approach though. So if they feel like on set during the day, like the energy isn't quite there or the impact of the scene isn't quite where they feel it should be, then they will sort of really go for it and, and try and get all the other actors kind of in the, in the zone as well. So maybe, maybe Matt Smith was doing that because Stephen Moffat has said in a couple of interviews that one of the best things about Matt Smith being as a, the leading guy, the lead actor is that there were a few times when the mood was a little bit flat at times and it wasn't all, you know, everything's amazing all the time. It's not like the Lego movie where everything's awesome all the time. <laughs> And he said that one of Matt Smith's best qualities as a leading guy was that he had that ability to kind of sense when the mood wasn't quite as it should be. And he would just create this kind of energy and just create this, um, this feeling on set when, you know, and all the other actors were like, right, you know, Matt Smith's on it. He's the leading guy. We need to follow his example and bring it up. So maybe it was a combination of that plus old Dougie Douglas McKinnon, uh, uh, directing it that way but there was a Possibly. sense of um it felt like he was out on his own a couple of times if that's the best yeah. way to describe it yeah where uh, you mentioned clara who was she was really good in this and i think clara's at her best when she's at her most vulnerable mm. for me like when she's playing very i think that's why she just grated on a lot of people as she got through her run on the show was that she just became very um, just very cocky, cocky. Yeah, and, very cocky. Yeah. yeah, and I don't mean that disrespectfully in terms of, um, of of how, um, Jenna Louise Coleman was as a you know. I think she just kind of took that with the. She just took that element of the character and just ran with it a lot. Mm. Um, so, you know, from a character perspective, she was very full of herself, like you said, a lot. Whereas in this one, she's almost the opposite for pretty much half the episode. Um, she has these little moments where she has a bit of bant with a doctor and she's quite funny, but she's actually quite perturbed by what's going on and what's happening. Um, she says, doesn't she, it's all, it's all got real or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, um, so, for, think- so yeah. So for that reason, I think Matt Smith has to be that way in some scenes because if they were both like it, it would be a it would be a boring episode, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's early days for for Jenna, isn't it? Uh, pretty much in this, um, and that's the thing. It's I think what it is as you were talking through that. I think um, I think it might be that it's just a different dynamic because I mean, I love Matt Smith, and he's he's probably one of my favourite doctors since the show returned you know i just think he he encompasses absolutely everything that i imagine the doctor to be and i i love the way he performs the, the part so he's still great in it but i think what it is i think i thought he was going over the top but now that we've talked through it i think it might just be that it's a different dynamic because when you've got in with amy and rory they just bounce off each other brilliantly and i think that's what i meant when i said there's a lightness to his performance in the in the other seasons in this, you're right. He's kind of got to go it alone, you know, because he's just got the one companion to work with, and they're still quite new together, the Doctor and Clara at this point. So I think that's what it is. It's nothing. Yeah, maybe when I said he's trying too hard, it's maybe it's just that he is trying to sort of carry the show a bit more because he hasn't got Amy and Rory to bounce off. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, it's maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe it's not that he's trying too hard. It's just a different dynamic that I'm picking up on because. As I said, he's still very good in it, and I still loved his performance. I just felt like, yeah, he's almost like really hammering out the humour, whereas mm-hmm. before it seemed to just bounce quite naturally um, from Matt. So whereas this, I don't know, just, yeah, he's delivering the lines differently. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? the, he does, Yeah, he does deliver a couple of really cool, but like there's no mistake in like his, um, uh, just the kind of, energy and aura that he gives off with this character like even when he's not even talking right at the beginning when they get captured and they're being searched mm. he's quite he's kind of borderline angry for a minute he's like i want a receipt oh, yeah. for that you know and then like 20 seconds later he's got these funny not funny but he's got these sunglasses on yeah, yeah the elvis shades and without even saying anything it's just so funny because and that was what was really good about uh about his doctor him and Tennant actually have got this really great way of instantly like flicking a switch and going from very angry to very kind of funny, um, yeah. you know, very serious and very funny uh, in like a blink of an eye. And he does that quite a few times in this story. Mm. Um, like when he finds out um, the ice warrior's real name, um, you know, oh, when yeah, he, he looks terrified. Yeah. So when the yeah. ice warrior first bowls up and, initially he thinks oh it's just another ice warrior you know i can deal with this kind of thing and then when he finds out his name the grand marshal and all that stuff you know from the moons of whatever and um yeah his face instantly changes and he closes his eyes for a few seconds as if to say like oh beep like we're in for it now kind of thing so he's great in that respect he's still doing like the typical matt smith doctory stuff which is great but I do, I do kind of agree with what you're saying, where he's a bit. There's a few scenes where he's very shouty and very strong, and you think, you know, there's no it's need to over egg the down. pudding. Yeah, there's no need yeah. to go for it too much, mate, because we already get, you know, the the severity of what's going on. But then, like you said, maybe because of the dynamic with Clara and some of the other characters, that's needed at that time. So. Talking of Clara yeah. again, though, there's a bit where, because I, I did think she was good in this, um, but there is one bit where I felt she needed to give more, <laughs> actually, the opposite. So there's the bit where she has to sing at the end, which is what makes Skeldak change his mind, doesn't he? So 
you think Scaldak's going to, you know, push the bar and blow up, whatever, until he hears Clara sing, and then it's something about family, isn't it? And it just makes, obviously stops Scaldak from, from going that extra mile and killing them. But I thought, Clara, it was almost, I felt like Jenna didn't, really didn't want to sing. Like, I just imagined by the camera, like, oh, I really don't want to have to do this scene. And they're like, well, no, just, you know, just mumble a few words, just sing a few bits or, I don't know if it all, or if she felt that's the way it needed to be played. I don't know, but I felt like to stop Skeldek killing everyone, it needed to be a bigger moment. Like right. she just literally goes, I can't, well, I don't know, I can't remember what she's singing, but you know, she's like, it's hungry like the wolf, isn't it? Duran Duran. Yeah. Like the wolf. She just kind of mumbles it like that, but you, you kind of feel like she needs to give it a little bit more for him to have such a change of heart. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's literally all she does, isn't it? She's like, it's wrong. Like, and he's like, oh, fine, I'll let you all live. <laughs> but I don't know, if anything, it is a minor criticism. I feel like she needed to give just a little bit more in that particular scene. But I don't know. I just felt she was awkward singing, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. It's just because it's such a big thing. It, like, Skaldak's ready to, he's full of rage. And, you know, it's the fact that Jenna sings that stops him doing it. I just felt that needed playing up a bit more to, to have for him to have such a change of heart needed a bit more from Clara at that point than just mumbling a few lines. Right. I don't know. Maybe she felt that's needed. That's how it needed to be played. Or maybe she just felt uncomfortable singing. I don't know. Mm, Yeah. I mean, she is, she's like that in a few scenes though. Yeah. That's what I mean. She may be, that's how she thought it needed to be played, but yeah, I just felt it needed more for Skeldak to change his mind like that. Yeah. I mean, how many episodes, I mean, you say this is early days for Clara. How many episodes is this in? Eight. This is the eighth episode in series, series seven, part two, or series seven B, because it was that split, wasn't it, where they did? Uh, yeah, but she's, uh, so she's not been in, so this is only her one, two, third proper episode though, isn't it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. She's sorry. in the snowman as, as, a mysterious character, isn't she? Gosh, I haven't watched the snowman. Oh, she's in Asylum of the Daleks. And then she's yes. in The Snowman. And then she's in... Bella St. John, is it? Yeah, so she's one, two, three, four. So she's five episodes in as playing Clara. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Is Bella St. John her first proper story, though? Yeah, I think as so. Clara, because up till then, she's this mysterious souffle girl, isn't she? That's right, yeah. I think and, something, and something else, yeah. Yes, I think that's her first proper. Yeah, written by the Mafia is her first proper um, story. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, she's five episodes in. She hasn't quite... Do you reckon she's hit her stride by now? It feels like... I don't know, maybe on my memories. Well, as we all know, our memories aren't great. But from memory, it felt like she had hit her stride already by this point. But maybe she hasn't. Maybe she was still a bit wet behind the ears, so to speak. Well, Hyde's the next story, isn't it? Um, I've got this gut feeling. Was that the first one they recorded? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, not the not the first. I mean, they would have done Snowman first or whatever, but I mean, in terms of this block, I don't know. But yeah, I, she was good at it. I think the thing is with Clara is um, she's written quite inconsistently throughout her time on the show. So but later on, Clara's kind of written to suit the story. So like one minute she's a childminder, then she's a school teacher, and it just her character changes a lot um, during her time on the show. And I, so that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it must be quite difficult for her to hit a stride when she's being written differently. 
um, each season, if you see what I mean. But yeah, I, I, I think in terms of performance, she's hit her stride. She seems to sort of have got a grip on the character if she's someone who's traveling with a doctor and she's, you know, affected by what she sees. And But she's loving the fact that they're saving the day and she's got that buzz from it. And in terms of that, she's absolutely found the character. But um, the character will change a lot uh, from this yeah. point onwards. Yeah. And she'll have to deal with that, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah, Hyde was the first. It. Yeah, Hyde was the first episode that Jenna Louise filmed as Clara. I thought it. Well, I don't know why that stuck yeah. in the back of my head. Yeah, so that's the next episode, but yeah. was the first one she filmed. Yeah, yeah. Have we reviewed Hyde? I think we did. Can't remember what we rated it, but I think we have reviewed it. Pretty sure. Did yes, we did. Well, back episode uh, fifty-two. Wow, that early on, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was back in 2015, dude. Wow. I don't yeah. know what we were, I can't remember what we scored it. Uh, um, we gave it a seven each. Oh, seven. All right, that's not too bad. Yeah. But I know, I'll get what you're saying, though, about Clara. She was a bit up and down throughout the, the time that she was on. Um, but then Mostly again, down that's to not, the writing, though. That it's was just, down to the writing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we just mentioned that Hyde was the first one that she filmed. And the guy that wrote Hyde, which was Neil Cross. Neil Cross, yeah. I think um, I think it was a behind the scenes or something. He basically said that the only thing that he had to go on for the character of Clara was Jenna Louise Coleman's five-minute audition tape that she filmed for Asylum of the Daleks. So that's all he had to go on <laughs> to write that character for that whole episode. Character? Yeah, so it's kind of weird that I mean, just as a, a from a writing perspective, if you're going to write an, an episode for somebody, the only thing you've got to go on is an audition tape of five minutes long for a character that may or may not have been in the, the whole run anyway. You kind of have to see what she was up against because you've got writers that later on in the run knew the character inside out at that point and knew mm. what they were writing for. But then in this first bunch of episodes... I wouldn't say they're going in cold or going in blind, but you know, it's, it's quite difficult to keep the writing consistent when you haven't, you know, when you've only got those limited things to work on. So, yeah, cause she's yeah. very different, and obviously in some Daleks, isn't she? She's souffle girl, and she is very cocky and lots of one-liners. So it's yeah, a bit yeah, a bit hard to gauge from that performance mm. where he could write her. Yeah, yeah. But she's not too bad in this. Like I said, I no, quite. She's good. I liked her in it. Yeah, I quite like Clara when she's, when she is kind of vulnerable and realizes what's at stake, and it's mm. not all cocky and bants all the time. So she's quite cool. And Matt, like you said, is brilliant. So moving on to some of the supporting cast people. Mm. So Liam Cunningham, Mister Cunningham, <laughs> as the captain, old Zukov, uh, who's obviously a very established actor. Yeah. And has gone on to do, you know, loads of cool things. Was he in Doctor Who again or before? Was he? Is, isn't know. he in the pirate? Um, oh, is he? Is he in the Curse of the Black Spot oh. episode? Is that what? Oh, hold on, hold on. I mean, I recognise him from other things, but I don't recognise him from another episode of Doctor Who. No, he, no, it wasn't. So it wasn't him. A guy that oh. just looks very similar. Yeah. Apologies. Um, but yeah, what do you reckon to Zukov then? So, uh, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, um, a little bit more heart than his than his uh, than his second in command. A little bit more understanding of things. Looks pretty good. 
Yeah, no, I thought it was good casting. It, it really suits that look uh, of the captain as well. Um, no, I thought he was he was good. A, a good performance from him as well. Brought um, a bit of gravitas to it. Uh, it's very shouty at the start. I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot going on. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought he was good. I liked him. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty good. Who was the captain, the pirate captain in Curse of the Black Spot then? That's the guy from Downton Abbey, isn't it? Oh, Hugh Bonville, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yes, sorry, yeah. I don't know why I thought that. Hugh, but, Hugh but Bonne, Bonneville. Bon, Bonneville, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but Hugh Bovril. Bovril, yeah. <laughs> uh, David Warner. Great. <laughs> Just going to say straight, I love David Warner. He was one of the best in this for me. Yeah, I almost yeah. wish he was in it a little bit more, though, because like you said, he, he does get some nice moments and he it's a lovely character, but I, I, I think he could have been... Um, uh, he could have been in it a bit more, I think. It, I would have liked to see more of his character. Um, but he's great in the scenes he's in. Uh, I really do like it. I think Dave Warner's just gives such a nice, subtle performance. Um, it sort of feels effortless. He just feels like that character. So, yeah, I really like him in it. Um, would have quite happily seen him maybe go in the TARDIS for a trip on another adventure. I would have quite happily seen that. Because he, he works very well with Jenna, doesn't he? Yes. In those scenes. Yeah. they. There's just nice moments between those two, and he's quite wise to what's going on. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. he's good. He's really nice. Yeah, and it was a really cool scene, actually, when he starts quizzing her, doesn't he? He's like, so are you really from another time? And all yeah. that lot. And she's like, yeah. And and then he starts really pressing her, like, tell me, you know, the future. She's like, I can't tell you. He's like, tell me. And you think he's going to kick off and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the climax is like, do Ultravox split up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, after everything that's going on, you know, he's just all about his music, isn't he? And and all that. It's just great. With his little uh, cassette player. His Walkman, yeah. Walkman, that's it, yeah. Yeah, and it's great to, um, yeah, like those scenes, like they were very well written, mm. very well done. But David Warner carries that very well, though. He's got this kind of old wise man. He's kind of, you almost get the sense like he's been there and done that. You yeah, know, he's 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 coming up to the end of his time, I suppose, retirement, and he just wants to chill out and listen to his listen to his tunes while he's cleaning up, and he doesn't want any drama. So he's got like a wise head on him, hasn't he? He's very kind of grounded, and that rubs off on Clara. She feels safer, I suppose, around him, and mm. yeah, he's a very, he's, he plays that very well. That sense of 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 he's got the biggest heart basically out of all of the Russian crew. Yeah, there is um, a bit where I, I, for some reason, I thought he died. Uh, as I said, I think I've only watched this once, so I remembered the scene when the Skeldax sort of claws come down to get him, and I thought, oh yeah, I remember he he gets knocked off, but he, he doesn't actually, does he? He survives, which is good. Uh, I would have hated him to be killed off, to be honest. So I'm glad I'm glad he survives the end. Yeah, and yeah. Um, what did you think to? Uh, I just mentioned there about him having the biggest heart out of all of them, which prompted me to think they're all Russian. What did you think to the fact that when the Doctor and Clara first land on the sub, they can obviously speak and understand Russian because of the TARDIS mm. um, translation matrix, whatever it's called. But how does that still work then, even though the TARDIS is now at the other end of the planet? Is it like a global thing that it does? Or I thought you had to be in a fairly close proximity to it yeah i must admit i it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hole in the story isn't it i mean because at first i thought well what was the 
what was the point of getting rid of the TARDIS? Like, what is that about? Because it does seem really random. And um, I don't think it gets picked up on in Hyde. I, from what I remember, they're just back on the TARDIS, aren't they? don't think there's any re- reason to it. Um, but then I guess I was thinking about this last night. So what, what was the point of that? But I suppose it's because if you have the TARDIS there, um, you could just get in it and escape. So you've, you've kind of got to get rid of the TARDIS for them to be stuck on the sub, I suppose. That's the only reason I could think for like having that part of the story. Yeah. But then you're right. I mean, that is a blimmin' long way to keep translating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool how the, the TARDIS does that though. So the, the doctor says that he's, he turned on, he turned back on the HADS system, the hostile action displacement thing, mm. um, which is kind of cool. So if the, the TARDIS feels like it's in danger or whatever, it will just scarper, which is kind of cool. And he says he hasn't used it in donkey's years. I think that was a throwback to the Crotons, right? I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that was quite nice. That was yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. But it, was it just, does work yeah. well. But like you said, it just, you don't think about it too much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts because after after I um finished watching, I thought, why have they uh why have why have they continued to be able to speak and understand when the TARDIS is gone? Because at that mm. point, we didn't know that the TARDIS was um uh had had gone to the South Pole. We didn't know that. We just we had no idea where the TARDIS went. We don't find out until the end of the episode uh, where the TARDIS went. So it's kind of weird that. It could have gone to another bloody, like the other end of the universe for all we know. So, yeah, I mean, it's nothing to get too hung up on, I suppose. You just have to sort of go with it. But, well, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, it did bug me a little bit because I was sort of thinking, okay, if the doctor's built that in, he would have had a, he would have had a sort of thing to get the TARDIS back quickly. He would not, you know, it, he would have built something into it to bring it so he could get it back quickly. The, the fact that he's got to go all the way to South Pole to get the TARDIS back is a little bit ludicrous if you think about yeah. it you know yeah. he'd have had a reverse switch on the sonic i mean the sonic uh does everything right uh, you know like i know <laughs> in the modern series it's used for absolutely everything but i have to admit it is used a lot in the matt smith era as well um yeah. so he would have just whizzed the sonic up and the tardis would have reappeared i'm so very surprised they didn't do that to be honest <laughs> yeah a little bit little yeah. Bit surprised, yeah but then it's an easy get out i mean you can't just you just can't have the tardis coming back so easily because they'd have just got in it and saved the day wouldn't they so true it's got to be got rid of yeah Mm. yes and then what did you think so the third supporting cast member that had a fairly decent role was um lieutenant stepashin who's played by tobias menzies Mm. uh is he he, the one that gets killed i've lost track a little bit yeah he's the one that stands he's lieutenant so he stands up to the captain you know they have a bit of friction uh, between them and he's the one that tries to bargain with with Skaldak when he's been gripped up um, mm. by him. But he's quite cool. He's quite a good actor, Tobias. He's, um, he, he went on to do a bunch of cool stuff. He was, uh, uh, he was in um, uh, a big popular series in the US called Rome. He was in The Crown, took over as um, Prince Gosh, Philip. everyone's been in The Crown. Prince <laughs> Philip, yeah, he was pretty good in that. He's been in loads of things. But, um, oh, was that him? Took over as Prince Philip? Yeah, ah. yeah. So he's done a bunch of stuff. He's a very good actor. He's... Uh, I would like to have seen him not being killed off so early on in the story, though, to be honest. I would, it would have been cool to see him, like I said at the beginning, maybe strike up a bit of a deal with Skuldak, even if Skuldak wasn't going to honour it, just mm. to see him go back and mix with the other crew members, knowing that uh, 
he's working with, or he thinks he's working with Skaldak and those two were going to start the nuclear war between them and stuff. So it was, it, it was kind of cool. He had that very, he played that um, uh, sort of very uh, blinkered view of the world, that black and white, like, you know, the Americans mm. must die kind of thing. This is the, you know, we're, we're going to start the nuclear fallout, the war and stuff. So he, he was cool from that respect. Yeah, no, he is good. And I, I am right. David Warner does survive in this, doesn't he? I'm questioning yes, yeah, yeah, he does. He's he's at the end. Because the thing is, I do feel like there isn't much story here when you break it down. It's just the Ice Warrior escaping and, you know, getting a bit angry. So, but, but part of me wishes this was the two-parter because I feel like there was potential to, you know, I feel like if you'd had a second part, you could have brought in all the other Ice Warriors that could have really kicked off and stuff. And I think there are nice characters here that could have, you know, been utilised more as well, like David Warner's character stuff. But there isn't enough story in this for it to be a two-part. But part of me feels if they could have thought of a way to bring in other elements, it, it would have been nice to have had a nice warrior two-part. Because um, we yeah. don't see them again until whatever the other story is um, with the Ice Warriors. It's a 12th Doctor story, isn't it? Can't think what it's called. They, they come back in that. Uh, with the Ice Warrior Queen and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, that's, that's right. the next time we see them, isn't isn't it? I face think. the Raven. No, no, not Face the Raven. That's the one where Clara gets killed. Yeah, that's the next time we see an Ice Warrior. Is it? Yeah, so Series 9, that's when Clara dies, Face the Raven. And then in Series 10, we, uh, we see, like, the Empress of Mars, she's called. Yeah, that's it, Empress of Mars, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Series, not till Series 10, though. Yeah. Oh gosh, where do we see an ice warrior in Face the Raven? Um, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Is it a flashback or something? I don't know. Um, I just don't remember an ice warrior walking down Trap Street, but you could be right. Trap Street, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trap Street. But um, yeah, it's the it's the one in Series 10 that I'm thinking of, um, where we see a bit more. We see a couple of ice warriors in that. Uh, that's another episode that I haven't watched for ages, uh, Empress of Mars. Um yeah, series ten. That's um, yes, yeah, Capaldi. Isn't it? Yeah, Capaldi. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, the Ice Warriors. You know, they haven't really been in Doctor Who that often. You know, do you like the redesign? You agree with me about the redesign, though, right? It, it's it's done very good, isn't it? Yes, they haven't yes. tweaked it or modernised it too much because mm-hmm. that was one of the things I think I was worried about when I heard the Ice Warriors were returning. I thought, oh no, what are they going to do to them? Like, because I I'm not a fan of the Cybermen redesign at all. Um, I think the Daleks have been updated pretty well to begin with. Um, I'm not sure about the the rusty Dalek or the Paradigm ones, but yeah. <laughs> but I think they got. I think they tweaked it very nicely. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So in in 2010s, um, in the 2010s era, an Ice Warrior was a resident of the hidden Trap Street in London, which housed uh, lost aliens on Earth under the protection of Mayor Me. Oh, God. Me. What is that name? That still irritates me. Yeah, it's ridiculous, mate. So, yeah, an ice warrior is in Face the Raven, but not predominantly. It's like a... Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I, didn't, I don't remember that, yeah. yeah. And then the other cast members, they're just kind of crew members. Don't really yeah. have that bigger scenes. They get picked off or they survive. It's nothing crazy, really. Uh, Murray Gold music, um, pretty good in this one, actually. It's nice to go back to a bit of Murray Gold. Um no complaints at all about Dudley Simpson's music from the classic stuff, but we just weren't really feeling it too much about the key to time. So it's nice to come back to 
a bit of modern um, Murray Goldness. Uh, so I quite yeah. like these episodes with Murray Gold because it's not in your face, big bombastic stuff all the time, which some of his uh, scores are for some modern who, but in this one, it was fairly, fairly consistent, fairly good. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Like, like I did, it was nice to hear Murray after um, having a bit of a break from, from sort of this era of who. Yeah. It, his music is lush. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Very nice to hear a bit of Murray. Indeedy. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I haven't got anything else on my notes, bud. To add. Don't think I have either. No, no. you're good. Uh, I think it's me to go first with scores. So I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. Yeah, we're on the same page. I'm a 7 as well. Um, enjoyable, but yeah, it didn't quite hit its height. But 7. A 7. Well. 7. Yes. Okay, yeah, same reasons, buddy. Uh, yeah. Potential there to be a, a, a brilliant story, but something not quite not quite hitting the mark and the ending was a bit quick and yeah. Yeah. It did wrap up very quick, didn't it? Mm, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, seven for me, seven for him. What did our listeners think? We had some audio clips in as always. All Thank good. you very much guys. Let's kick off with Sammy Satine. Hey Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So cold war. First things first for the 500th millionth time. It is Mark Gatiss. I will keep reminding you of this until you pronounce it properly. It's on my list of things I get annoyed at you two and others about. Speaking of Mark, this is one of my favourites of his stories. This, Robert of Sherwood and the Unquiet Dead. Robert of Sherwood is a bit like my dad's uncle. Every time I think about it, I laugh because I find it hilarious. Anyway, Grand Marshal Skaldag is an ice warrior not to be messed with. It's a great idea, based on a siege story with an alien, mostly unseen, picking off a few crew members one by one. I love this. It entertains me. I give it 8 Grand Marshal Skaldags out of 10. Take care, stay safe, wash those hands, etc. See ya. Oh dear, Sammy. Sorry. Yeah, it's a great you story. You say Gatiss, you yeah. say Gatiss. Let's call the whole show. Oh, sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good story by Mark Gattis. It is a good, it is a good one. But, yeah, thank you very much, Sammy, for the review, as always. Um, I can't tell if you like this or not, Sammy, from your review. She liked it. She liked it. You did quite like it, yeah. She okay. loved it. Okie dokie. Moving on. This is Mr. Seb Lane. Hello, Gary and Adam. This is uh, Matt Smith. I can't, I can't do this. I can't. Oh, my God. Right, I'm just not going to, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. Cold War. Cold War. I haven't watched this episode for years until like last night, so here we are. Um, but I think it was a pretty decent episode. Uh, a little bit harmless. It sh- you would have thought that it would be um, a little bit bigger considering it was the return of the Ice Warriors, but obviously not. Um, but yeah, just a decent base under siege episode, and that's literally it. I think Liam uh, Cunningham, I think it is, as Captain Zukov, is actually a pretty good character. The side cast are pretty um, good in this, actually, and Skaldak is just quite a cool concept, really, just with singular ice warrior. Um, but yeah, I will not be attempting any more Doctor voices, unless unless I really think I can, but I doubt I can. So stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Oh, Seb, don't worry, dude. Mm-hmm. Get the old impressions rolling. Well, you almost <laughs> expect it now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so not a bad score as well from Seb. Thank you very much, dude. Uh, moving on, this is Mr. Joe Turner. Cold War is a typical base under siege story. The fact that it's set during 1983, where tensions between the USSR and USA 
were very high really benefits the viewers because we get a large sense of the scale where in which at any point the chances of mutually assured destruction is very, very likely. At some points, I found it a little too slow and not enough action. Plus, even though Matt Smith is my favourite Doctor, at points in this story, he is too silly. The Ice Warrior, Skaldak, was great. I loved his really deep, intimidating voice with his armour presenting a really fear fearless warrior. But I was so annoyed when we saw his rubbish CGI face as I wanted it to remain unknown. Because as a viewer, we get to create the fear factor ourselves and we benefit a lot more. Finally, Clara was great, far cry from her Series 9 self, betraying a mature performance, but I found the ending a little too rushed and a bit too weak. As a result, I give this story a 6 out of 10. Not a bad one to watch, just not excellent. Thank you. A 6? Thank you, yes. I, yeah, I agree with a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, and also about the seeing what the Ice Warrior looked like underneath. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I kind of agree with you there, Joe. Yeah. Anyway, a six. Yeah, not a bad score. Uh, last review. This is from Martin Arnold. Vanquisher of the Phobos Heresy, sovereign of the Thersesian caste. But enough about me. What did I think of Cold War? I actually rather like this episode. Uh, that's mainly because it's God Ice Warriors, and I really like Ice Warriors. Um, had they put in, for example, um, I don't know, a pating, it would have been horrible. Because um, it's not got the, you know, a strong, hugely complex and engaging story. It's just basically, please don't blow up the earth for 45 minutes and then the earth remains. It reminds me of uh, Warriors of the Deep, which um, is also another sort of undersea, uh, base under siege story during a Cold War featuring classic Doctor Who aliens. Uh, sadly, this one doesn't have a murder though. But on the whole, I think it's actually a pretty, a pretty fun episode. Um, it's not the best that Matt has to work with. Uh, Clara's not too bad, and the sidecasts are pretty good. Um, if only they weren't so stupid as to free a man from the ice from another planet. Oh well, seven out of ten. Cheers. Seven. And yeah, it's a good point about um, Warriors of the Deep. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great shot, actually. You know the bit where he does set him free, and you see the hand smash through the ice. That is a awesome again great direction there yeah no that's awesome that bit yeah mm -hmm. yes thank you very much martin uh cool review as always and thank you to our uh, listeners that took the time to do the audio clips uh love you guys for sending that stuff in as always uh let's rattle through some of the social stuff over on twitter rick moran says very dull and insipid story that goes nowhere very <laughs> fast love that word insipid insipid yeah great actors like david warner are completely wasted uh, basically, we have Hunt for Red October meets Doctor Who, which sounds much cooler than it actually is. Uh, the execution is played off as an alien ripoff in a submarine, but with none of what truly made that movie amazing. Uh, the political thriller aspect with the option for nuclear war falls rather flat. Two, Miss Smith is being given tripe to work with. That's another uh, word I like, tripe. <laughs> yeah, Jenna is doing a decent job in the companion role, but again, she can't make a silk purse out of a pig's ear. With the script she has given, a one out of ten. Oh, wow. Blimey, Rick. Rick, not loving this one. Savage. Savage from Rick. Yeah, thank you very much, Rick. Uh, those guys over the Lost and Gallifrey podcast says, solid ep of Who. Love the Ice Warriors. Enjoy how Who does something different with them in every story. However, it's a shame we don't see Skaldak kill anyone as a proper armoured Ice Warrior. Uh, mm. The story is good, but just never feels like enough. Uh, Matt, fantastic as ever. A seven out of ten. Seven. 
Yeah, Edward Gillooly, uh, a great sounding idea. Ice Warriors on a submarine, one of the best casts ever assembled on the show, yet somehow it doesn't quite work. So a 6.5. Uh, Vincent Blonde, one, says, glad you are back to New Who. Oh. So are we, Vincent. Yes, we're one of the best ones written by Mark Gattis. Uh, having said that, it is still mediocre. But Matt's Doctor is very good, as always. The Ice Warrior out of his armour was a brilliant idea. Very creepy. Reminds me of Alien. 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, definitely an alien vibe there. Yes, yeah. Nath, Silent Nerd, C137, says, I find this a very underrated story. What a unique way to in- to reintroduce the Ice Warriors with a story that wouldn't feel out of place in Classic Who. Really like the Ice Warriors. Skullax armor looks amazing. David Warner is great, and I love his connection with Clara. And 8.5. Mm-hmm. Our writer, dude, Jordan Shortman, says, Not one of my favourites, which is a shame because I love the Ice Warriors. Uh, David Warner is washed is wasted here, and I'm not sure uh, the Ice Warrior out of armour worked. The thing looked far too small to fit in something of that bulk. At Mm. least Matt Smith is good here, and Clara is surprisingly good. Yeah. Uh, Brian Chapman. Uh, This could have been a belter of a two-parter. Perhaps as such a terrific ending story for Series 7B, but this single episode feels rushed, kept together mostly by Matt Smith. Uh, when have we seen that before? Uh, and David Warner, uh, 6.5 Ultravoxes out of 10. Sarah Louise, a running Whovian. Hi, Sarah. Always running, says, after the slog of recent weeks, this story was over in a flash. Uh, in fact, it felt a little rushed. Uh, lots of action, good concept and cast, as well as my favourite new Who Doctor, but sadly, not memorable enough for me to revisit with any regularity. 6 out of 10. Fair enough, Sarah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, the Universe of Who says, I cannot claim is one of my highlights of that season, but it's enjoyable enough with a satisfying return for the Ice Warriors themselves, despite a weak story. Uh, like a lot of Series 7, rather average, so 6 out of 10. Mm, okay. I've uh, got the last few on here now. Uh, our buddy Reese Gallifrey Forever 97 says, I feel this is an underrated story from Series 7. The Ice Warrior design looks incredible with an interesting idea to have it come out of the suit with fairly effective results. Matt and Jenna look like they're having a lot of fun with the comedy and the scary moments. Uh, enjoyable episode, in my opinion. Thanks, Reese. Cheers, Reese. Uh, TARDISnet66. I don't like Series 7, but this is pretty decent. Traditional base under siege format, the Ice Warrior is a very formidable threat, and I like seeing it out of its armour, but I wish it kept its appearance a mystery. I think the ending is a little rushed. And lastly, Dan Pin says, I really enjoyed this one. The Ice Warriors are my favourite monster. And the new design is superb. Although I think the Ice Warrior leaving its armor doesn't work. It looks a bit weedy. Uh, the sets of the sub are brilliant and add to the atmosphere and tension. Uh, how strong is the supporting cast? From Game of Thrones to Grandchester, David Warner is brilliant as the 80s pop-loving professor. Matt is nothing less than superb. Have we ever had a more consistent doctor? Uh, and Dan gives it a 7.5. Well, I love Matt, so I, yeah, I yeah. agree. Completely agree. Yeah, Great doctor. Uh, And we had a few over on Facebook as well. Uh, Lawrence Baxter says, solid episode, atmospheric and good introduction of a classic monster. Seeing two future Prince Phillips from The Crown in one episode is fun. Plus, it's good to see Liam Cunningham in Doctor Who when apparently he was briefly the front runner to be the eighth Doctor before McGann was cast. Oh, right. Uh Aha. Okay. Uh, Seven massive ice cubes out of ten. 
<laughs> Ice cubes. <laughs> uh, Charlie Turner says, uh, Gattis's best script, I think. A nice way to reintroduce the Ice Warriors into the show after the monster of Peladon. David Warner, Ice Warrior, what more can one ask for? Uh, it's one of the hidden gems of Series 7, an 8 out of 10. Yeah, man, did we not see the Ice Warriors since... Monster yeah, of Paladin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I said. They don't actually appear that often throughout no. here. Yeah. Always think they're in it more, yeah. Mm. Uh, not like the bloody Daleks. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh, he was walking past the door. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tats, didn't like that. There we go. Andrew Cuthbert, uh, really fun romp with the added bonus of David Warner in the comic role. Probably the best opener for any Doctor Who story. Very Matt Smith. Only downside is the story is extremely rushed. Uh, it's the extremely rushed ending sorry seven Barbie dolls out of ten. Oh yeah I forgot about the Barbie dolls <laughs> that's weird actually that's a, yeah it's a bit weird uh, Toby Coleman says the feeling has gone only you and I it means nothing to me <laughs> nothing to me uh, uh, got a bit distracted by the awful karaoke songs I love uh, so Cold War I love this the cinematography was fantastic and the Ice Warriors design was amazing I loved the tense standoff as the whole story was about stepping back from the brink. Setting was cool. Ending seemed okay. Loved the reference to the Hads. I thought the Doctor and Clara were really good, as was the Professor. Overall, a tense, creepy thriller. Eight soggy submariners out of ten. Mm. <laughs> uh, last couple, Aaron Ball. A good Ice Warrior story. It takes a turn and has a political message, of course. But Smith and Jenna are great together. Really enjoy them. Just feels rushed in parts. A story I go to in Series 7, uh, if any. Uh, but to be honest, I'd give it a 7.5. Okay. And Millie McKenzie says, this is a great, creepy, claustrophobic episode. It takes clear inspiration from the likes of Alien and The Thing from Outer Space. At the time, I was still new to Who, so I didn't know who the Ice Warriors were uh, from a classic monster. I was impressed by the costume, and now having, having gone back through all of Who... I think it's the best of the modernized monsters in terms of costume design. Uh, very true to the original, sold. Eight out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I agree about the costume. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I tweeted out also, um, Millie did a series of these really cool little miniature monsters. I saw them. Did you yeah, they them? look amazing. Yeah. They look awesome, Millie. Yeah. You should sell those, Millie. You should get some commission for those. They look very, very cool. Anyways, uh, thank you very much, guys. So I think the average score across everything is probably a seven on the sound. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Yes, we had a couple of haters. Crikey, Rick, not nice, not liking Rick. it. So no, and a couple <laughs> of people loving it. So yeah, not a bad one. So that was Cold War. Next week, bud, what we got? Next week, so we're back to Sarah Jane Adventures with the Nightmare Man. Oh, yeah, the Nightmare Man. Yeah, looking forward to that. Indeedy. Yes. Yeah, so oh, it's going to be lovely getting back to some SJA. Yeah, I miss those guys. Gen genuinely have, actually. I feel like friends that I haven't seen for a while. Yeah, same. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Right, bud. I think we'll wrap there for 279. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back or joining us fresh to listen to a week of us waffle on about various bits to do with Doctor Who. If you are joining us fresh, thank you very much for uh, for jumping on the podcast. It's great to have you here. Old time listeners, the grizzled ancients, 
It's great to have you guys back as well for 279. Next week, as Adam said, it's going to be uh, back to the Sarah Jane Adventures for The Nightmare Man. So get your your DVDs watched for that because we'll be asking for your reviews as always. And it is going to be good to go back to Sarah Jane. I can't stress oh, I can't that wait. enough. Yeah. yeah, we absolutely... For those of you that don't know, we've loved watching all th- uh, the Sarah Jane Adventures. I think this is season three we're on now, right? Is it three? Uh, th- Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been so. so long, I've forgotten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's going to be good to go back and watch that. And apparently, I've not seen any of the Sarah Janes from this point on, but apparently this one's a bit of a cracker. So, yeah, it's going to be good. In the meantime, head over to the website, thebigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows on there. Plus, you can link off to the various podcast apps and networks. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. So just click one of those links or do a search in whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on. Uh, we'd love to have you as a subscriber that way you won't miss a show when it lands every friday and if you've got a minute to leave us a review and a rating that would be lovely because that helps us out lots and lots and we really appreciate those that have left reviews recently we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook uh, there are links on the face on the website sorry or just do a, a search for us in those apps come and give us a like and a follow we chat doctor who throughout the week we have a free discord server as well there's a link to that on the website come and hang out and chat doctor who with uh, other Who fans it's all good over there lots of of Who chat regularly every day which is great also check out my co-host's channel over on YouTube The Geek's Handbag yes I'm actually working on some new vids now I've got the editing software sorted yeah go and have a look some new material nice yeah a bit of new material yeah trying out some new material (laughs) (laughs) yeah go and check out Adam's channel on 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 YouTube The Geek's Handbag and Adam is on the socials too under the same name The Geek's Handbag uh, give him a like and a follow as well. Uh, like I said, we chat and waffle plenty of Doctor Who throughout the week in between shows. So come and get involved there. Until next week for 280. My name's Gary. 280, yeah. My name's Adam. And remember, and...